Welcome, guys, to the Red Tech Bite Podcast. This is our roundtable series. So real quick, let's go around and introduce ourselves. Let's start with you. All right, great. So my name is Danica Vince-Cruz, actually soon to be Collins. I'm changing my... Thank you. Um, I am the founder of Danica VC Media, which is a brand-forward marketing agency and creative agency um, with a mission to serve authentic small to medium businesses here in Frederick and in DC and everywhere I can get to. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. My name's Jacob Brain. I'm a marketing consultant at New North, actually just down the street from where we're recording here. Um, we do marketing for primarily companies in the B2B tech and consulting space. Okay. My name is Chris Spear. Uh, I have a business called Perfect Little Bites. So I want to bring a restaurant experience to people's homes. So I do small private dinners for about two to 20 people. Mm-hmm. Um, have a real fun time with that. And uh, I'm the founder of a group called Chefs Without Restaurants. So we're a networking group to kind of build some camaraderie and help people grow their businesses. So Perfect Little Bites is kind of local based out of Frederick with an 80 mile radius. Chefs Without Restaurants is global and we have members as far as Thailand. So. Oh, I never knew something like that existed with chefs. I've heard like yeah, yeah. Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, like, and people are always like, "Is it Chefs Without Borders?" I'm like Chefs Without Restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome guys, I'm so glad to have you on. It was, so, what's the one underlying like common theme between all of you? Digital marketing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like Chris, you, you know, I know you're a chef, but you heavily use digital marketing. Yeah, I mean, right? so I'm a one man show. I have like no one working for me, mm-hmm. and I started a business that people aren't really aware of. So you not only do you have to market your business, but you have to educate the public on what you do. People are like, well, do you come and cook a week's worth of meals? It's like no, and they're like, well, can you cater my son's wedding for a hundred? It's like no, mm-hmm. like I come to your house. Like think of a restaurant. <laughs> like when you go out, it's just the two of you or the four of you, and mm-hmm. the table's set and everything's cooked fresh and prepared so I'm not only having to get in front of my customer and let them know I'm out there but actually tell them that this is a thing that exists right Um, and I want to do that around building a community and just kind of really engaging with my customer when you started this venture, did you always know you, you had to leverage digital marketing for this kind of yeah, stuff? You know, I like people, and it started very naturally. You know, I've been on social media for almost a decade. You know, I joined Twitter like nine years ago, and it was just one of these I things I mean, where, is social media even older than a decade, right? Yeah. You got just on the ground floor. Yeah, right. yeah, there you go. Being genuine, and I really liked Absolutely. interacting yeah. with people. And before influencers, mm-hmm. air quotes, oh, yeah. was a thing, you know, it would be like, I'm super appreciative of some really well-known chefs started following me on social media, you know, and I would do a dish and post it online, but then someone who has like 2 million followers would repost it and now you get tons of followers and it wasn't like I was paying them to be an influencer, it was like, I was super impressed that, you know, Sean Brock of McCready's in Charleston thought enough of me and my dish to repost it and now I've got all these people following me and but kind of beating at that for like a decade. And that's that's the amazing thing too, like what you just said, it's you know, you go to Instagram now and you, you can see a lot of things, you know, with uh, foods and chefs and things like, things like that. But the moment you get a repost of someone who is an influencer, right, yeah. it's all of a sudden it opens the doors. Oh, yeah, and so. then that's where it's like you can get people that not only, one, follow you and are interested in the content that you put out, whether it's food, you know, if it's just videos, it doesn't matter. But now if they want that kind of service, they're like, oh, there's somebody like that here. Yeah. I didn't know that existed. My favorite right? food writer Uh, I was in an article, right? But it's because I posted something, and to me it was kind of like nonsense and half-joking. I posted on Twitter at like midnight, but one of my followers, Kat Kinsman, who I think at the time was writing for CNN, reposted it. And she had like 2 million followers, right? 
So the next day in my email box, uh, his name is John T. Edge, and he writes about Southern food, had emailed me, which like my mind exploded. And he's like, I saw this thing about it was pot liquor, you know, it goes with um, like collard greens and stuff. He's like, I'm doing this article. Can I talk to you about, you know, the topic? But that's crazy that like you can just like one off this thing on Twitter yeah, right? at midnight. And if the right person sees it, reposts it. You can get in front of people and then, you know, then you're in a magazine article, right. which then links back to your website and then SEO and, right. you know, kind of that. And that's just how it kind of builds. And, I and tell you people, have the visual side of it, too. I mean, yeah. The, you yeah, know, yeah. Food is a good photographs mm-hmm. well. Yes. And, and it would be uh, retweeted well. Yes. You know, Share it. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. 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 So, what do you guys think about this? So, you're you're in the digital marketing you know yes. space at videos own, and you yes. and, <laughs> yeah and Jacob, exactly. you also work in it. You know, it's what you do at yeah. New North. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like I've talked to um, Tobin about it, and he's seen a big shift. Like, how has that shift cha- transitioned from like magazines and traditional marketing to what it is today? Yeah, one of the big benefits of digital marketing specifically is that you're able to track it more accurately. And so one of the, the big reasons I'm a big fan of it is because um, you guys heard that saying 50% of my marketing budget is uh, wasted. I just don't know what 50%. Like, <laughs> you can more easily get rid of that. And so you can sit down every week and say, like, this is the 10% we're spending on Facebook in this example, paid media. Um, and it's working. We're getting a positive ROI out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's not working is uh, remarketing ads. So for whatever reason, those aren't converting. Why aren't they converting? You can dig into it. Mm. Um, Whereas with like a postcard, I mean, you can do some call tracking, um, things with that, but you have far less data to make decisions off of. That's why digital marketing is so much better in that regard. Better is a strong word. It's yeah. another, another tool in the yes. toolbox. Another tool. yes. it's, it's another good tool in the yeah. toolbox. Yeah, I mean, Jacob's completely right in that the practicality is there. To be able to track things is profound, and a lot of people don't realize that that can actually happen. It's interesting that Chef Chris mentions the ability to disseminate this information at scale, but what I've found is that there is still a massive resistance to people who still strongly believe in traditional media and see social media and other forms of digital marketing and advertising as uncharted, even though it's clearly not. I mean, everyone that is famous or successful is using it at scale. They know how to use it. Mm-hmm. But, and yet some of these businesses that I start conversations with, they they don't know what to do and they're overwhelmed. And so they don't start at all. And I think that, and I think all of you would agree that if you're not on social media now, and if you have no intention to be, you will become irrelevant very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, what? okay. I can understand where... If you have never like you know gone on social media, you don't use it personally, all this stuff. Why it's like uh, that stuff doesn't make any sense, right? So how would you demystify it real quick? If I if I was a potential client and I'm like I don't know anything about social media, how would you demystify that? I would say the only thing you really need to know is that the vast majority of everyone's attention is on that platform, whether you know it or not. And that's all. That's one one thing I need to know, right? Then the other thing is exactly what you said. Now you can track it, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm sending out you know, articles or postcards or whatever it is, I can't tell if you read that. I can't tell if there's no link on there to click, right? There's no like, there's no like button to smash or anything like that, right? (laughs) Not yet. That's the the next generation of postcards. The question I have is like, I feel it's harder to gain traction today than it was five or 10 years ago. And do you know that like, you know, 
I feel like I got on early mm-hmm. and was able to grow quickly. And like the people who follow me, I feel like aren't following new people, like as maybe we aren't, you know, mm-hmm. like, whereas when you're on Twitter 10 years ago, you would follow like 10 people a day. Right, and then right. now it's just kind of like you're super selective and yeah. not that the ship has sailed, but I feel like it's yeah. harder when people say, well, how did you do? It's like, well, I got on Instagram like six years ago and you know that's how I have 2,400 followers today. Yeah. I don't think if I started my same exact business today, I could get to 2,400 followers, maybe even ever. Well, what'd you, you do know? to try to make yourself stand out in the crowd in social media today on Instagram, Twitter, or whatever. How would you do? I really feel in community building. Um, Like I've always been a big fan of connecting with people. So I have a localized business, which is I come to your house and cook dinner for you. But if you lived in Denver and you shot me a message or an email and said, I'm going to Miami. Do you have a recommendation for a place to eat? I would absolutely tell you where. Or if you lived in Dubai and said, what's a great uh, Italian cookbook? I would Mm -hmm. tell you. Have you gotten those kind of requests? Absolutely, all the time. So my website has a huge blog component. I did that, started 10 years ago. So I have 10 years of blog posts on my website. You could search his website for that information. So I I have followers who have never paid me a cent. More of my followers are not customers than the ones that are customers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the ROI is on that. And, you know, there's a lot of discussions of, do you monetize your audience? Do you try and sell an e-cookbook? Like, is there anything that makes sense or do you just be a good guy and like give away this information and it all comes around in the mm-hmm. long run and maybe it leads to a article in a magazine, maybe it leads to nothing. But I've always enjoyed doing that, just talking to people and sharing my knowledge and if it benefits, then... It does. Yeah, I mean, I myself, trying to start this podcast here, and it's relatively new, it's, you're right, it's not as easy to get followers, you know, then, then you, like, people think, oh, it's, it's pretty easy, but I'm like, no, on a personal level, I've been on social media for, since its inception, and I have all these people on there because I've had it for so long, like, I've met them in various, you know, venues, stages in my life, and things like that, but, you know, if you're trying to start a business now, and, you know, you're trying to get out there, you, you need to really be on that. And it's really hard. Like you've told me before, it's been really hard. It's really hard. You have to post at least two or three times a day sometimes, right? Yeah. And a lot of people get worried about that because they think, oh, am I spamming my followers? You know, is it mm-hmm. too much? And to be honest, you know, we were talking about it's harder to get followers, let alone get people to see every single thing you post. The right. more you post, the more people have a memory of you if you're posting something of value. Of value, sorry. So when Chef Chris is talking about, you know, these meaningful interactions and giving back at scale, that's his brand. That's the brand knowledge that people have of you. And that's why they keep coming back to you. Yeah. You know, and I think that a lot of people are sales oriented in some ways in the sense that they want to, they want that one hack on social media, that one hashtag that's going <laughs> to get them 1500 followers tomorrow and then 5,000 the next day. And you're sitting there like, whoa. What have you done for them then? But you were talking earlier, all of you were talking earlier, how do you measure the value of those that aren't direct conversions at that moment? You can't necessarily. Sort of. So um, you can't that directly, but um, we've all heard of the the marketing funnel. So there's a million different ways. And don't get started on the whole the funnel step. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another podcast. But, um, uh, to, a, <laughs> to a degree, you can kind of measure things like that. And so... Um, let's say at the top of the funnel you have a thousand visitors to your website. Um, of those thousand vid- visitors, you have a white paper, you have a recipe download or something like that where you collect their email. Um, you're able to connect an IP to an email. You have a contact now. They're in your database. A certain percentage of those will then turn into customers. And so kind of using the website as a uh, kind of a, a parallel thing to social media is why you can't say this one visitor is going to cause me or give me 
55 cents, you can do the math and know that of these thousand visitors, uh, 100 are going to turn into contacts and then 10 of those are going to turn into leads. So yeah. you kind of can on, on loosely connect them mm-hmm. to, a, to a dollar value. Right, you could. And, and that's all like, good and well for like measurements and things like that. But if you're running a business, like you said, if, if you're getting messages from some guy in Denver, it's like, I, I can't service you. Yeah. You're just outside my radius. And yeah. I, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, but you, what you can do is you can treat that guy as if he was in your radius, right? To say, hey, I'm going to give you information that you are requesting of me, right? And not because I look at you as a dollar sign, because I, I, you know, you're asking me for something, right? And so when someone does come to you that is within your radius, you would treat them the same, right? And things are weird, right? Like all of a sudden it might be that guy's best friend lives in DC and yeah, he's getting right? married and wants yeah, to yeah. like, you know, do a bridal shower or something like that. You, you never know when that's, you know... For me, I'm online all the time, probably more so than I should be. <laughs> but like, it's super easy to just connect if someone shot me a message. Like, I don't understand companies who, you know, you'll go to a restaurant, you'll take a picture of food, you'll post on Instagram, you'll tag them, and like nothing. Like, nothing. they won't even yes. like, they won't even mm-hmm. like it, let alone like comment I know. on it. Yeah. It's like I am advertising yeah, your business for free, there. for yeah. free, yeah. and yeah. just because I love it, and you can't even be bothered. Like, I don't understand that at all. Like, I respond to every comment, every comment. Yes. But then you got every the other comment. companies that do have like they do troll their, their users yeah. right well I was gonna say sometimes they're the same companies are the ones that aren't responding to reviews and then they'll just beg some other like people to give them a new review and they're like well appreciate the people that are doing yeah. it they'll continue to give you more <laughs> yeah but what about the ones that actually you know what what's the one account on Twitter is it Wendy's right oh yeah right oh, yeah, yeah. The, they're, they're very snotty with their with their um responses and stuff like that but i think that goes into knowing their demographics right Mm -hmm. knowing who they're targeting you know if they're trying to target people that are young and you know they that's how they speak on social media that makes sense right versus like another company that may you know may value demographic that's a bit you know older person would you see like gary vanderchuk's like mr peanut like last night oh Um, so excited not only did they do the super bowl ad but if you followed his twitter account they were like trolling other ads you know it's like every other tweet was like mr peanut like trolling the (laughs) ford commercial (laughs) from five minutes ago and like the quarterbacks you know it's just like you know that's interesting it's like a very different thing it's like so now you've got a brand that's kind of like and he did it in the most boring game ever right yeah it's that willingness to go past the tried and true to be able to extend yeah. yourself that little bit more and then sometimes it doesn't pay off but sometimes it really does pay off yeah in that sense you know, I DM'd a musician yesterday who I thought was really cool. Obviously, Up and Coming has about 300 followers, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I just liked his style. And I sent him a DM saying, hey, you know, this is great. You know, I want to know about your story. You know, I'm Filipino-American, too. You know, what else about you? And nothing. I know. I know. Nothing. Nothing at all. Are trying to build a music brand? Right. And someone cares about what you did? I right. just don't think that's and, and there's something to be said. I like I've messaged a couple of company, uh, local breweries and things like that here so far. But it's like... I. I get maybe why they may not message me right right away. It's like they yeah. may just be inundated with spam yeah. and things like that. Like I don't have an inbox that's just constantly. I don't always get so. notifications either. I find Facebook um, business messaging is the worst. Oh, it's like my my auto response is 
Facebook Messenger stinks. Um, here's my email. Here's my phone number. Text me. Because I was finding that people would send me a thing in like November no. saying, can you do a party? And I wouldn't, like if you didn't yeah. physically go in and look at the inbox on Messenger, you wouldn't even get the alert. And I was like blowing off people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sometimes find like I shoot people like Instagram DMs and you assume they see them. And four weeks later, people say, oh, wow, see, I just saw this. And that's what I'm thinking is happening, right? It's like they may not have yeah. seen it, right? Because not only that, I they've changed it where it's pretty hard to get to now you have to yeah, a little bit. yeah it is a bit hard <laughs> yeah. to get to it's not just sweat like yeah so it's a bunch of those settings that it's just like i don't they're not making it as easy as it used to be but speaking of which what would you say your favorite uh platform is for me at least it's instagram i don't like facebook but that's just me favorite in the sense that we get returns are just over no no like what's your favorite time? yeah for me youtube and instagram Okay. I'm trying to get on Snapchat more just to understand it. And actually, I've been finding TikTok to be really interesting. You know, it helps me keep on top of the trends, um, you know, what the, the quote-unquote young folk are doing. <laughs> you know, um, I saw an entire... And I don't know if you guys know about TikTok at all. No, I, I have it. I haven't well, used it yet. Is that the new thing. Musical.ly? Yes, it's the new yeah. Musical.ly. Yeah. And so, you know, basically they are, in a sense comedic short videos Mm -hmm. um, that are assigned to a particular hashtag as far as I can see and a lot of them are culturally oriented so I saw a lot for the polar vortex I saw this girl go out and sun herself in minus 50 degree weather in the snow (sighs) It's, it's funny you know and trying to navigate those platforms I mean that's the fun part trying to see how you could fit in but as of right now where I feel comfortable posting and where I feel comfortable actually expressing are Instagram and YouTube Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting to YouTube myself, so mm-hmm. that's that's new. But Instagram, I, I, I really do like. Yes. But that's just a personal bias. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From, I'd say, if, if the question is personal, I'd probably say uh, LinkedIn. That's kind of my world. Is Actually, movie. yeah. LinkedIn has yeah. been a new one for me. Like, you know, recently, I you know, on my birthday, I just got all these messages on LinkedIn. It's like, wow. Like, that's, that's, that's crazy. And I personally have never used LinkedIn I, I've had an account. I didn't use it that much. Now with the podcast and all the stuff, it's like okay, it's more, it, it's more than I thought it was. I thought it was just like kind of another Facebook for mm-hmm. you know professional stuff. But I'm like, no, there are legitimate good articles on there, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. Somebody writes an article on LinkedIn. A lot of people like it. Yeah, right? yeah. And there's that, that. That could you know pushes out further yeah, to all yeah, the, all the different people who did the liking. Yeah. But I've had more spammy like connections there than anywhere. But like people don't even you know talk about building community and knowing people like people don't even take one second to know what I do, right? Like that starts off with like I can help your restaurant grow <laughs> sales. It's like I don't have a restaurant. you know like they see that I'm in food and beverage. It's like yeah. you literally took no second <laughs> to find out what I do. And last week someone messaged me about that and I wasn't like rude by message back I was like hey don't have a restaurant and they came back with like I checked your website and you have a typo on it like he was all mad because oh I came God. back at him it was just like he sent me like five messages in like four days and I didn't get back to him because it didn't apply to me and I, I'm sure I could have shot off a thing but it was like I don't have a restaurant like take one second to see what I do right. and we can talk and then he got like really pissy about it and like blasted me for having a typo on my website like I don't understand people like that and that's why I haven't really spent he really time cares there. that's why he told you about the typo <laughs> yeah. I mean he's not wrong there is an element of that kind of spam especially with recruiters like so yeah. as, as an engineer right I'm, I'm not like I'm, I am used to hey 
hate the recruiter, recruiter, like you want to work for Facebook, Amazon, all this stuff. But I'm telling you, like literally a week ago, I got a message from one recruiter and she must have co- copy pasted this thing because it had somebody else's name. And it had my name on top. And, I, and then there was a follow-up message like, oh, this message was directed to you. I'm like, I'm sure it was. You're just spamming as many people as possible, you know? Yeah. I think there's, so there's an interesting um thing we see a lot is when we start working with a new company um usually one of the things we do is around social media and we'll say hey these are the two channels i think you need to be on or something like that Mm -hmm. based on your your persona um but it's really easy um i think for everyone and me myself as well um i like linkedin and so i feel like my business should be on linkedin okay but those are like two completely irrelevant things if i own a company that makes uh bottles um, and I sell them to soccer moms. I don't need to be on LinkedIn. It's a waste of my time. It is how much yeah. I like it personally. Yeah, because that's more B to B to B type like yeah. advertising. Yeah. It's just right? a different kind of target market that you're trying to reach. Right. Yeah, and I actually read that or seen some video of that recently. It's like if you're trying to target, you know, younger crowd and you want to go for the you know, hip style platforms like Instagram and any other one, Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Although is Snapchat even relevant now? Honestly. <laughs> it's still there. I mean for the young folk, as far as I've been told, Facebook, way, no, definitely not. Mm-hmm. But Snapchat, TikTok, and Instagram are the top three that I've, I've been made aware of, yeah. Facebook. Uh, <laughs> who still uses I mean, I still have it. Okay. My target customers are yeah, Facebook. Yeah, mine too. Fair enough. Like, yes. I, for my business <laughs> yeah. page, like, yeah. that's where my target customers are. That like, LinkedIn, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got my feet in all of the pool. Mm-hmm. So, like... B to C, Instagram is great. Yes. So like yes. I, I make a yeah. dish, right? I take a photo of it, I put it on there, and people see it. It's very visual. Mm-hmm. If you can interact, that's great. Like B to C, I love Twitter, and maybe it's because I'm nostalgic because it was the first yeah. platform yeah. and you yeah. talk about like where you want to be. But um, like let's say you want to be noticed by media. Right now, every single publication or TV station or whatever, everyone's still on there. Yeah, and that's true. because there was an exodus, it's less noisy. Like it got really noisy and you couldn't see the people you want. And then all these people left and now those people are still there. So, yeah. you know, there was a food writer in Charleston, South Carolina. And like I followed her on Twitter and literally in five minutes, she DM'd me and said, oh, you are a private chef. I'm doing an article about private chefs. Can I call you tomorrow and be in the article? Like that wouldn't happen on Instagram. She wasn't going to find me. So mm-hmm. from like a marketing stance and connecting with influential people in my industry Twitter's awesome and I love conversations like I've had conversations that go on like four days with people and have like 20 people and you're like keep adding huh. each other and, and adding to the conversation a follow not a retweet or something exactly like it was yeah. just like I followed her and then that brought my awareness yeah. to her yeah. mm-hmm. and then right. she's like checked out my profile and I was like oh interesting like you sound like you know what you're talking about can we talk and then I was in the Charleston South Carolina newspaper <laughs> even though I live here in Frederick um, because I've been to Charleston I know a lot of the chefs and can, I, also I speak on, and can also speak on their scene so it kind of depends so I like to mix it up so I'm going kind of getting in front of the customer on Instagram but then mm-hmm. being on Twitter kind of connecting with those influential people um, but then my target market a lot of them are actually on Facebook like I can post a photo of a dish on Instagram and the people liking it are you know like 20 somethings or 30 somethings whatever right. but my dinners start at like $100 a head and those people are like 50 to 60 with extra disposable income and they're on Facebook. So it's kind of like a little mix of things. So I'm doing all of it. I'm not going to lie. That is a bit like personal bias, right? It's like, I don't have anything against Facebook. I just, to me, it got way too noisy in terms of, you know, politics and things that I really didn't care about with people that I follow. And minimally, 
I could just unfollow you, right? Yeah. But yeah. but it's still you a can curate your feed. I mean, you I, could. I, I'm yeah. very big into the like yeah. mute, unfollow, yeah, yeah, yeah. see first. Like, <laughs> once you start, once yeah. you start curating your feeds, I tell everyone that like yeah. start deleting friends who really you're not friends with, and true, start, like pushing to who are your top ten people you want to follow, mm-hmm. unfollow all these people. Like I get friends requests on Facebook from people I don't know, and you look and you have like a hundred mutual friends, and you look at their feed and it's kind of garbage. Like I'll accept the follow, I'll accept the friend request and then the first thing I'll do is click on follow like so maybe they'll see my stuff like I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not but and I've been doing that on LinkedIn so you're curating that feed at least I mean it's as though the Facebook used to be that fun diversion for everyone but then started exposing people for who they were so people started fronting a whole lot like oh here's my perfect vacation and everything, making making it look like the lives are perfect. You know, I have a lot of friends that are 40 and above who like to call it fake book because they get social exhaustion from watching everyone just not be themselves. Right. And I think for the other platforms, Instagram, YouTube, they, they're more of a place for expression. Twitter as well, it's a place for expression, diversion, connection. And Facebook is now becoming just a peacocking festival. Do you think that uh, Mark Zuckerberg is like afraid of that, that notion? I mean, admittedly, they they own Instagram, too, so they have their followers there. But it does seem like there's – and correct me if I'm wrong. Is there, like, that shift of, like, let's – this is not as as fun as it used to be, or at least this platform isn't. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, because the vast majority of people actually in the U.S. are on Facebook, he still has the power to kind of do what he wants in my mind. And I think that the kids that are saying it's not popular now, I think they will go back to it because I think it – I think it's going to stay relevant. I think it's going to stay there as a steadfast option. But what do you guys think? You know what I really like is groups. And that comes back, like, I'm 42, right? So I came up in the AOL, like, chat room days where you were in a room with people <laughs> with the same... those days, yeah. You know, with, with the same interests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the yeah, same yeah. And the same thing. Like, I kind of, like, there's groups. And it's, you know, like, you can just be in a, you know, post-punk music group. And, like, mm-hmm. all the topics relate to that. Mm-hmm. And then you meet some really cool new people or something like that. You know, I go through the feed and see all my friends' pictures of their kids' birthdays and all that stuff. And I post some of that, too. Um, but, you know, I think there's niches within there um so i i've been spending more times in groups on facebook yeah and it seems to be kind of like the what like the standard right like that is that is my identity on there there it is now if you're active on there you're active if you're not you're not right yeah i'm far more active on my business facebook than my personal just because i want to build a presence and i'm less interested in maybe showing off every personal thing i did that day but it's more um, of a marketing tool, though, instead yeah, of a personal thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, for some reason, I'm happy to show what I'm doing on a personal basis on my marketing channels. But when I'm personal with my family or friends, like close friends, I I don't want to inundate. It's a very strange phenomenon, it actually, is, when yeah. you think about it. Because yeah. the marketing side, yeah, I do want to disseminate as much as I can and show my value to people. But, yeah, it's just a different vibe. And yeah. I spend a lot of time on Facebook groups, too. Mostly on groups rather than the actual channel itself. Mm-hmm. The chat, the feed, right? The, yeah, the, the feed. endless yeah. feed that yeah. just just yeah. keeps going, but so is Instagram. There's, uh, there's sometimes I'm just yeah. constant. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, besides you know, those are I would say the heavy hitters, right? And those are heavy hitters in terms of like marketing if you want to market so there's facebook you use that pretty heavily there's linkedin if b2b marketing mm-hmm. there's instagram for you know b2c type marketing and then there's twitter which like you said it, it's a good platform to kind of interact you know you have conversations on there you're retweeting and 
the the noise has dry has gone down. What about the other ones like you know Reddit things like that? Tumblr. Well, Tumblr. As I've got, well. I yeah. got so um, I'm in a book like full like I was in a book like a real actual book that like you can buy in Barnes and Noble, <laughs> and it's hilarious because <laughs> like an actual book, like an actual book, book. like an actual book. So necessary to clarify. Th- th- that's that. like one award. <laughs> but I always tell people because it's so funny because people today don't even know it was like four years ago when the deal started because they posted on Tumblr like it's a book called uh, Knives and Ink. It's about chefs with tattoos. Um, and it's awesome, and it's SEO has been amazing for me. But it was like a Tumblr post. It was like, if you're a chef and you have tattoos, we want to hear from you. We're writing a book. And I'm just like, okay, sure. I send it in. Like, there's 8 million chefs in the world who have tattoos. But they liked, you know, my story and whatever. But I said, like, I never would have been in, like, this actual real book because I'm not seeing this Tumblr post. And I haven't spent enough time there lately. I've kind of let it drop. But, like, every once in a while you get those, like, really interesting things. So I'll always love Tumblr just because it landed me in an actual book. That's awesome. That's cool. You know, yeah. that, that is pretty cool. And is, is, it, it, is it on Amazon? Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. So the, the writer, uh, well, the editor um, is the editor of like BuzzFeed books. Uh-huh. And Wendy McNaughton, the illustrator, his illustrator, she did the salt, fat, acid, heat book yeah. that just came out. Like she's like a really well-known illustrator. So basically the premise is, uh, I my wife took a picture of me with my tattoos and we emailed it to them and then she draws it in her own style and you get to tell your story about it and why you got it and then include a recipe and she writes your story in kind of like calligraphy. Oh, wow. So I got like a four page spread which is actually the largest in the book because I counted. Um, but it's like, so it's, but it's, it's also really weird because so it's like on my chest, right? So I had to take my shirt off and I hadn't shaved that day and I didn't think it was going to be so literal. So like you can see my like chubby face like unshaven and she illustrated like chest hair and everything oh which then that photo they did a cover story in the 72 hours and it was the cover page so like everyone opens the page the newspaper Ooh, one day. it's like yeah. on the cover like because this illustration Tumblr that this day this <laughs> new exactly you know but that's cool like but that's those like micro moments where like I could have been five minutes late sending in or just right, like not yeah, seen it that right. day. Perfect and timing. I think so much of that perfect stuff on bite, social media, timing. like, <laughs> you know, all of my stories go back to that. The thing with the, the woman who retweeted my thing, who worked at CNN, like if I had posted that three hours before, she wouldn't have seen it and it would have got reposted. And you just have to keep like beating these things down sometimes. And quite often, like it's reposting, like. My Instagram, I'm not going to lie, it's not always day of. Like today, I'm grocery shopping and I'm doing this, but I feel like I need to stay on top of it. So what are some really good photos? Let's look three years ago and see what I've got and post a photo today. And I don't have to say, like, this is a throwback post. I just say, like, here's a, you know, well, that's blood a, orange cake. Right. And it, I'm not going to scroll all the way down, like, three years past yeah. either. Yeah. So that's and you have tons thing. of new followers. So, you know, three right. years ago, I had less followers, so I can repost that. That is something um, I have, have been noticing myself. Yeah. And I at first, I thought, I was like, why would you repost something that you had posted? Especially if you're not tagging it as, like, a you know, throwback or whatever. But... That is that does make sense. It's like you have new followers, you know, compared to a year ago because people do curate their stuff, you know, more. So why not, you know, let someone else see that because they're, you know, I you may have one or two people scroll through your feed, right? But if you have like two thousand posts, like I'm not gonna go through everything, yeah. right? <laughs> and I would run, I plus you don't want to look like a creep yeah, going through yeah. all that, right? <laughs> Oops, you know, I like that photo. If you have like two thousand plus followers, but you post a photo and only twenty people liked it, like how many do you think actually saw it? And if you have a business page, you can actually see how many look at it. So you know the chances are that people are seeing the same thing and remember it. 
aren't that great, you know? So I have a question because I've noticed sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times, my theory is that you may get 10% interactions of like the amount of followers you have. So if you have like 100, you may get like 10 plus likes depending on it. 100,000, I've seen like, you know, 10. And this is just observation. I'm not basing this on any metric or stats or anything like that. Do you think that's true though? Like is, is there like, is there a number of, you know, terms of how many followers you have versus the kind of interactions and impressions you can get? Well, I know that a good engagement rate falls around 3%. 3%? You know, of your followers. That's considered a good engagement rate. It's a metric that people use for influencer marketing. Okay. You know, if they have really good engagement. And it has to be real engagement. There is that epidemic of, you know, fake followers and buying them. I'll get to that. I'll yeah. get to that. <laughs> I posted a photo yesterday and it has 72 likes on Instagram. And the one before it has 43. And I have 2,400 followers. But, like, once again, like, what's the quality right, of those? Right. So looking at those, like, I'm a big believer in hashtags and using mm -hmm. them appropriate. Like, mm -hmm. a good percentage of them are local. And for my business, it works. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Any sense of conversions out of those likes? For me, it's yes. like, for me, it's like long tail because I'm trying to get people to buy a service, you know. So it's harder. It's kind of like keep telling the story, keep right. hitting them home. This is what I do. Oh, you really like that? Awesome. And then they like a photo again. And maybe it takes them like a hundred photos before they hire me, you know? Right. And for me, it's a double because, yes, I have had returns on this directly for service and um, retainer clients, et cetera. But I also want to build my presence on social mostly because I am a digital marketing strategy agency. So I have to have some sense of authority in the field. Right. And by, you know sharing all the content that I have and the insights and things that people find valuable. Okay, that makes me happy inside, but again, it's about, you have to think about ROI a little bit. So in terms of building my business, not I don't want to say legitimacy, that sounds kind of bad, but yeah, building my business legitimacy as I've started and everything and keeping that momentum going, I think is really important. Well, it is important, right? Because if I come to you and say, hey, like how how would this post make, does this make any sense or anything mm -hmm. like that, right? And yeah. if you've never posted before, you're really not going to know, right? Yeah, there's no, there's no standard that you've created. Where else are you going to get the data for that? Right. Yeah. And you won't have all the answers, but you'll know like, yeah, this is how to do it. This is how I've done it. This is a good time to do it. This is how you would, you know put tags on whatever it is, right? Exactly. So, But I found cu my customers can't even always tell me how they find me, which is kind yeah. of annoying to me. Like, <laughs> I'll say, like, just out of curiosity, like, you don't necessarily know what's working. It's like, did you see me on Instagram? Like, they'll say, like, that is true, right? Like, I don't know. Like, they ended up on my website, which is great, and got my phone number. But when you ask them, they don't remember if it was a Facebook post or a friend recommendation or they mm -hmm. saw it on Instagram, mm -hmm. which is super frustrating to me. Um, so it's just well, at least you're doing something, like, right? So you just right? kind of have to like hit it on all the channels and hope that it converts like you want it to, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's a website lead, I mean, you can do some fancy like URL parameters to decide or to figure out what platform they came for or something. Like oh, there comes the Google Analytics. Had <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to come in. But see, that's like a really important question to me: is the ROI? Um, brand super super important. That's a huge huge part of it. But if I have a client that's been on Facebook for a year and hasn't really gotten any benefit from it, like I'm dropping Facebook and I'm using the budget elsewhere. Yeah. Sure. Because yeah. you got to think long term. Yeah. You do. And Facebook sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the client, depending yeah. the client. and, and the, who, who you're going for, right? Yeah, exactly. Who you're targeting, and if your creative is any good. I mean, yeah. it's all 
interrelated. Really. Well, it all comes back to like your purpose. So when you're deciding what channels to be on or um, even beyond social media and the other different platforms, um, you need to ask yourself, like, why am I doing this? If it's to build a brand, like you need a brand, mm-hmm. you need people to go on your site and see the food you're doing as like a resource. Um, not all companies need that. So you really want it to be an ROI conversation. Right. So what do you guys think about, and I've noticed too, sometimes you'll have, uh, what, you can pay for people to follow you? Like you're saying, that this comes to like, what, the bots, right? You can say, yeah, yeah. I can get, pay X amount of dollars and I'll get like 20,000 followers. And it's the whole reason, right? It's that notion of saying like, if I go to your page and I see that you have X amount of followers, I think you mean something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is, that, do you, is that really prevalent out there or do just some people do that? It's pretty big. It used yeah. to be a lot bigger, and they started cutting hair, kind of yeah. cracking down on a little bit. Because honestly, this is, you guys are going to hate that I said this, it used to work. <laughs> yeah, it did. Used to. Used and to being the author yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it really did work. So it was very black hat, very like, don't tell anyone you did it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it worked. And so I knew people that would do that. Um, definitely not the route you want to go anymore, and they cracked mm-hmm. down on it. Um, but it does provide that, like you were kind of talking about, social proof. Is yes, yeah. social proof, social proof, right? But it also plays into like maybe the way that the algorithms algos work, yeah. right? In the social media platform. So, like, I've seen different influencers talk about when let's say Instagram changes the way the algorithm works. So, yeah. instead of going on a chronological order, now they go based off like how many what it's interaction, right? Like, yeah. if, if you're if a lot of people are talking on there, stuff like that, that's going to be on top of your news feed or at least mm-hmm. on your feed, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that. Think about this. It, you have companies and platforms that are maybe five years old, and they've changed the way the game is played like mm-hmm. three times already. Does that hurt? Like you say, you know, when you're dealing with a client saying, oh, we've had this business plan in place because this is how the agro- algorithm worked, and now it's no longer the case. We have to switch it up. Yeah, I mean, the whole concept of marketing is to have the right message sent to the right people at the right time. And mm-hmm. so um, if that happens with a, a social media platform, it's just one of your many tools you're using for to get the message to those people. Okay. And hopefully you are disseminated across several mm-hmm. different channels. A lot of people make that mistake of being really big on one channel. I mean, there's talk about the Instagram organic reach becoming weaker this year. And so if you've made it big on Instagram, that's great. But if Instagram you know, starts to MySpace itself in five years, <laughs> then you're out of luck because you weren't So social media diversification is very important. Yes, it is. Yeah. Does anyone have a MySpace account, though? Not happening. Nope. It's, been <laughs> it's still around. It's still, yeah. it's still around, I think, yeah, right? I saw a commercial for it a couple yeah. months ago, actually. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's like a like a Do you think musician. Like a music again? Yeah, music yeah. thing. That's yeah, why yeah. I joined it. Like, yeah. I was living in Philly, and I had a friend who had a band, and they had a band page. And yeah, then I think that's their what tracks were free, and that's right. why I joined in, like, 2003 or something like that. Huh. So I could listen to music, and then it turned into social media, and then it dumped. But, like, I think bands are maybe back on there now which I, I, I think that's what it is because the last I've heard and this was a couple years ago actually I thought like Justin Timberlake put money in there they rebranded the whole thing for like just musicians it wasn't like a whole social media thing now did it go anywhere for me, I'm not a musician so I don't know yeah. right I don't know in that world but all I know is that I had a, you know Tom as a friend the first time I signed up right <laughs> always be your friend but yeah, I mean, other other platforms can go that way. It's it, like, I feel like by the time I got into Snapchat, Snapchat was already like in, in the downturn. But, you know, you can ask somebody else if Snapchat is their world. So 
I don't really know, right? I just go by their stock price now. <laughs> yeah. Don't you have to like like the platform? Because I think that's the thing. And I talk to a lot of business owners who are even older than me, and like they're trying to fake, like they're doing it because someone told them yes. they have to be on Instagram. Oh my God, but then yeah. it doesn't come off as natural, and they no. like it. Like I get Snapchat, and I use it a little bit, but my demographic right now, 100%, is like not on there. Not. Right, right. So I'm not doing it, even if someone says like it could be huge, like. But you see all these people trying these different things and they're kind of phoning it in. Like, I feel like you also have to kind of like, Mm -hmm. enjoy, understand the platform you're on and not just do it because someone told you you have to do it. And and that's another, like, conundrum there, right? Like, people crave authenticity, especially on social media. Like, if you're trying to build a brand, you try to build this, right? You're not putting, let's say, yourself out there in the day-to-day things because, you know, you, you... you're just doing that just to get the likes and stuff like that. It's like, hey, I want to show you what it's like to do all this stuff here. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, right? And not only that, it's like, hey, this is behind the scenes. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you in where you're not – you're seeing like the best part of us there. But behind the scenes, you're seeing another part. So it's one of those things that you're like, well, you want to be authentic. But sometimes other people can be what? seems like a little too authentic where it comes off comes across as fake right well it depends on personalities there are a lot of people who share a lot more and they're happy to do that Mm -hmm. it's all about finding what works for you and what your audience tends to respond to of course you have to be true to yourself like if you feel uncomfortable posting that picture of you in that bikini top maybe you shouldn't but if you are comfortable and you think that your your audience is going to resonate i follow a business coach online for example and she posted this picture of her in a bikini and she said it took me a while to post this because i was super afraid you'd see these things that i probably only see and it's you know girls well, women in self-image, you know, it's a huge conversation. It is. And to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally get that because I would think the same exact thing. Whereas I'm sure there are other people who would not. They would think, oh, like, put that away. Like, but that's not the people you want to attract. Right, you right. Know, you're attracting your, you know, you tribe. You know, you've heard that a lot before. Mm-hmm. Your yeah. vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah. Right. And I, I follow on a, on my personal account, I follow this, uh, this one, like, pilot from Sweden. And, you know, she, she made a post like that, like, in her bikini. And I, what, what she wrote on there was very authentic. It was, like, very vulnerable. She was saying, like, I felt like I, you know, I, I was, like, you know, worried about my weight and this and that. And it's, like, looking at that, it's, like, like I'm, like, no, you are beautiful for one. And, two, I'm, like, well, reading what you wrote to me now tells me, like, following you, I'm, I'm not following you because you, you may be hot or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the kind of message you're putting out there, you, you seem, you're very authentic. Like, you're yeah. putting yourself out there. You know, and yes, you're going to get other people who are like, yeah, you know, I like you because, you know, the way you look or whatever yeah. it is. But to see that with different, plat- you know, different people on, on Instagram, mm-hmm. to me, that's why I, I really use that platform because it's like you, you put yourself out there. Now, could I do that more? Yes, but it's also one of those things that like you say it's a hurdle you have to get over. Oh, yeah, there's a definite resistance of vulnerability with mm-hmm. probably most people because, one, a lot of people don't realize that their mundane details are actually pretty interesting to the rest of the world. <laughs> and two, it's, oh, everyone's going to see, like, they're going to make fun of me. There's, you know, you're scared of that negative judgment. I just posted about this, about, like, not caring about judgment mm-hmm. and how you shouldn't live your life predicated on that. But it's... It's all about how you feel you should do it and not thinking about smart pants 67 who thinks, oh, you look ugly. Like, it's right. like people obsess on that one guy who's going to say, smart pants 67. That's worse. Troll, man. Follow that. Seriously. It's all, um, people are scared of judgment. And a lot of us are conditioned to think that way. 
Um, well, women and men. Well, and it's hard. Like, everything's so Instagrammable now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm in food, and food is the most Instagrammable thing, but, it like, is. people need to keep in mind that, like, the photos that you see on Instagram that are beautiful are crafted. Like, yes. it's ours, and it might not be something that actually tastes good. They might not have even cooked that steak, and it's, like, raw. And it might have taken 800 people, so I'm a business of one, right? Like, when I come to your house, I'm there cooking. When you go to... I'm not going to call it any restaurants, but like they're all using like stages, free labor, whatever. So if you go to that fancy restaurant in DC, maybe 20 hands were on that plate and 90% of them weren't even being paid. Like I could put out the most beautiful looking thing if I'm the chef and I have a sous chef and a chef de cuisine and like five line cooks and three people who aren't getting paid anything. But when I do a dinner, I'm at your house and it's just me and I'm doing a five course dinner for 12 by myself, my food is not going to look like that. And it's hard to take a photo because my photo doesn't look like the Instagrammable photo dish (laughs) that everyone has. But it's like, but it's going to taste good. And that's what food's about. And, you know, we keep hearing in the food industry, like, you eat with your eyes, you eat with your eyes. It's like, well, I've seen a lot of those beautiful dishes that taste like garbage. I don't eat with my eyes when I go to a restaurant, though. (laughs) But it's really hard because you have a lot of people who don't want to take a photo of that dish that's brown on brown with red and yellow, you know, and people are throwing a bunch of, like, nonsensical micro herbs that don't even taste good but it gives mm-hmm. a pop of green just so that it looks nice and it's Instagrammable but it's hollow food that doesn't taste good. Reminds mm-hmm. you like those Burger King commercials or like any fast food <laughs> commercials, right? <laughs> like, look at all right you were like, yeah. that's what the burger looks like? Yeah. You get there, you're like, no. I mean, there's books on like. photo styling, which is like how to make yeah. ice cream out of Crisco yes. with food coloring. Yeah. It's wow. like, you know, there's whole books on that. Like if you're doing like a marketing standpoint, like mm-hmm. for a company, but it's like, I don't do any of that. If there's a photo of an ice cream it's an ice cream I made myself and it's going to melt way faster than a ball of Crisco so it might look a little more droopy but um, you know reconciling myself with like I don't care about that I might not get 5,000 likes on it there's these beautiful things they get 5,000 likes Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have what to, is, like, not care about that as much. Yeah, like, what does it mean, you know, when people are valuing that just visual aspect purely and they it, it creates this pressure for people when they want to post for the first time, like, it has to look like that. And it's like, no, you don't understand. I follow um, mm-hmm. a food stylist on Instagram mostly because she shows what happens when it goes into these food shoots or any kind of flat lay shoot, if you guys know what flat lays are, vaguely. But it's... She puts up the sheet, and there's, like, custom lighting everywhere. And then she talks about certain preservatives. And I say preservatives, like, paint that you put on things so it looks bright. It's not real. Right. And so... That's the key point. Yeah. It's not real. And and that's where, like, it's a bit concerning, right? Because, like, you want to come out authentic and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But in order to catch somebody's, like, attention and view and like and whatever it is, right, you have to go down that road almost because... I've seen pictures, too, where you're like, this is highly edited, highly photoshopped, yeah. right? And it's like, okay, th- this, if you portray this as a highly edited, awesome, you know, shot, whatever it is, that's awesome. It's a Photoshop accomplishment, not a culinary accomplishment. Well, yeah. well not even that, not the culinary. Yeah. It's not a photography yeah. accomplishment, right? So yeah. beyond, like, That's culinary, right? right? Point, it's like there's, there's just random pictures, whether a city, you know, right. it, it could be anything, right? Yeah. But then you see these photos on Instagram. You're like, that is just highly, highly put edited. filters on. Oh, my goodness, yeah. photo editing. Yeah, and you're like, dude, and it, like, then you know, like, people are like, oh, that's an awesome shot. Like, yeah. no, dude, that did not happen by just flickering yeah. the, the camera like that. There's yeah. no way, right? 
right? It's like, it's like people. Like, you know, you could look at your wife and be like, she's not as beautiful as this model. It's like, have you seen those models without makeup too? Like, you know. Or being Photoshopped. Or, 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 or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just like not reality of this yeah. very distorted perception of reality. If my wife is listening. You're more attractive than any model. And I would 100% say the same. You know, it's yeah. like if you took any woman and yes. put her through an eight-hour makeup and hair and all that and then photographed and did Photoshop, but it's like people get this perception of like that's reality and it's right. in any industry. And that's, that's like, what it is. It's anytime you take a photo of something, that's not the real product, person, place, whatever. Right. And I, I guess this is how they tell a story. For the people that are more vacuous with their food making, I'm going to just say it like that. Maybe the only way they can tell a compelling story is to create a perfect picture rather than you going to real people's homes making food that moves them and actually creating a real experience. You know, I love taking selfies with people I have in meetings. And, you know, the average person would be like, oh, why would I care about who you meet? But I tell the story about what I learned with that person that day. And if I touch... Two people who come back to me and say, hey, you know, like that made me feel better. That makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So the thing with these accounts that are all like, oh, these perfect pictures. Oh, I'm often, you know, Bali and or, you know, the food pictures. It's like the only story that they're really telling is look at my awesome life, which isn't true anyway. So all of it's it, it's a weird balance, basically. Another thing you said earlier that was really good, um, Danica, was that uh, a lot of people don't think their life is that interesting because they're comparing it against that. Mm -hmm. And so one thing we often run up to um, when I'm working with new clients is um, we'll be working with like, I don't know, uh, an executive coach or something. And they're like, yeah, I don't know what to post. Like, I don't live that exciting of a life. I'm like, you're kidding me. You're talking to like, yeah. like top tier people from Fortune 500 <laughs> companies and you have nothing to talk about. Like clearly you have something of value to give. And so like pulling that out of people and just letting them know like, you have a pretty unique life. Like, do, let's yeah. share a little bit about that uh, that insight. Right, and, and also like you're not the only one going through certain issues either, right? So there's things like that that you can post and say, hey, like I need help or whatever it is, right? And somebody else probably have has gone through that problem, right? And they can help you and things like that. So those are those are other things. That, I mean, I've noticed like on Reddit, you know, those subreddits that are like, hey, I need help. This, you know, I'm dealing with this issue. Can anyone help? And it's like. That's like the good part of the of the internet, right? Where you're yeah. like, man, if people just come out of the woodworks and they give information that you're like, I would have spent months trying to get, mm -hmm. you know? It's like, and, and that's one of the reasons why I love Reddit, you know? And yes, there's a dark side to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's where I started this like this other business I have, and I call it a business that doesn't generate money, but it's called Chefs Without Restaurants. And the whole idea was like, I wanted to help other independent chefs do what I do um, for free. Like, you know, I started my business 10 years ago as a side hustle. I've been doing it full time for two and a half years. And I kind of had all these friends like, tell them, saying, like, how do you do it? Um, I didn't see them as competitors. I saw them yeah. as, like, colleagues and wanted to say, like, save yourself the seven years of, like, missteps that <laughs> right, I Right, right. But here's, your value here's, is a source of good advice. Here's the blueprint of it. And so that's we, your brand. You know, so we really set up, going back to Facebook, we set up, like, a Facebook group that's a private group for us. And it's like someone's got a food truck and they come on a post like, hey, my refrigerator's down. Like, who do you guys recommend if you're local or like, are there YouTube videos I can watch? Or, right, you know, right. we're referring business to each other. You know, if I'm booked on Friday night and a customer contacts me and says, hey, I want a dinner on Friday. I say, I'm sorry, I'm busy. But if you give me 24 hours, I can find you someone. So we're throwing business to each other, but building a community both locally and globally around those kind of things, helping each other, you know, questions like, 
Department of Health, what are you guys seeing in your communities? Right, like, what are they right. allowing as far as pop-ups, takeovers, restaurant swaps? And it's really interesting to see what they're allowing in California and Australia and New York City. And That's just having cool. discussions around that and building a community. We're all, you know, for my business, like I was a chef. I worked in corporate food service. I had a staff of 125. Mm-hmm. And then I left my job and literally overnight I had zero people. I had no sous chef to bounce ideas off of. I had no like line coast. Like every day I make a dish. It's like, is this good? Is it not? I have no one to talk to. Mm-hmm. No business resources. And I found all these other people um, my age were kind of doing the same. We're like aging out of the restaurant industry. Like you hit 40, you've got a wife, you got kids. Like that two in the morning stuff doesn't fly anymore. <laughs> and they were starting to become personal chefs, buying food trucks, doing these things. And there's no real blueprint for that online. Um, I mean, there's some stuff, but kind of could we have like a hub where we can all kind of talk about the challenges we're going through. Right. Uh, and it's been a great community, both locally and then it it was one of those crazy things. Like I thought it was going to be the eight people I knew locally. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden Laura Hayes of the DC city paper who I'm friends with on Facebook season. She's like, this needs to be in the city paper. And it says <laughs> wrote two articles and like literally overnight we had 200 members join. And then voice of America news in DC is like, Oh, we saw your thing in the city paper. Can we come to Frederick and film you and follow us with a camera crew for eight hours? So then that goes globally. So then you've got people in all these foreign countries who are like joining your group. I'm like, Whoa, like, I've That's amazing. People, I've got like people in yeah. Thailand who've joined Chess Without Restaurants. Like I don't even still know how to help them and service them in the way that I want to. So this year is kind of going to be building the infrastructure for that kind of stuff. Because like I just thought it was going to be like the eight people I knew in Maryland, the DMV, who had like food trucks and were private chefs. And now you've got people all over the, all over the world. But right. if you can set up like hubs where it's like, okay, if you live in like New York City and you guys want to do a pop-up, like boom, I'm going to connect you eight people, go do a pop-up. Like I don't need to be there. Right. I don't need to whatever. Yeah. Like we can post it all on the Chefs Without Restaurants social media. Um, and just kind of be the connector. But it's rough because I still am one person running now, like, yeah. two businesses. Yeah. Um, and that one takes a lot of time. And I generate monetarily on paper no money from it. Mm-hmm. Now, I get lots of referrals because a chef in Baltimore might not be able to do a gig and he throws it my way. So that's beneficial. But at some point, like, I might need to bring on some admin type people to help with the mm-hmm. website and social media and stuff. But I just love that community and being able to help other people grow their businesses. And yeah, that's a, that's amazing to see that, right? It's like not, now you can talk to people across the world, right? And like, yeah, yeah. technology has done that, has, has made the world shrink to where I can talk to people across, across the globe about yeah. many things. But to have these platforms now where you can have a group of different chefs talk now, like, you may not know anything about Thailand cuisine or anything like that, yeah. but you guys share a common thing of cooking and trying to serve people and things like that. It's also yeah. so small, real world. You know, like I was, this is crazy. Like I was in Manhattan in a bar. We're talking like five years ago. Um, I was there for a chef convention and I took a photo of a drink and put it on Instagram. In three minutes, dude taps me on my shoulder and says, you're perfect little bites, right? Because I saw you just posted that drink <laughs> in Manhattan, the biggest city in no like North way. America, right? It was some guy who had been following me. He's from New Mexico, and he was in town for the same convention. We had never <laughs> met up. Like, that's just like, so the world is huge, but it's really small. It's really small, yeah. And then, you know, we ended up, uh, we both actually had reservations at the same restaurant. Like, we were both at the bar pre-game. That's before awesome. We the <laughs> and we both had groups, and we went in the restaurant, and like, our two groups combined, and we had them pull tables, and like 12 of us had a table together. So, so there's a hash collision right but, there, you right? Know, like I think that's normal. People think that's weird. Like when I tell that story, people no, like, that's some that's stranger so true, like rolled right? up yeah. on Manhattan. I'm like, this is cool. This though. is cool, right? Like, cool. So that yeah. really reminds me. So 
talking about like social media platforms has kind of gone down, right? You guys remember Foursquare? Yeah. Oh my oh, goodness. Yeah. I used checking to, it everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I used to love Foursquare. And I remember the one time I went to San Diego and every other I, minute the phone showed somebody's checked in on Foursquare. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll check in everywhere. And I found this one like um like a speakeasy type bar. And it's like I met friends there just by doing that. Like yeah. finding places like that, checking in. It's like, yeah, it's it's just so cool. And like it seems weird, right? But at the same time, it's like, well, what, what were you used to growing up? I was used to making friends because we were in the same school. That's, right. what, that's it. But yeah. it, the world doesn't have to be like that, right? It can be based on, like, common interests and stuff, which I find yeah. a little more interesting. Like, I've had people who you're friends with because they live next door and they're actually not great people. And finally, you're like, oh, I need to stop hanging out with them. Like, we're only <laughs> friends because we share a law. And but right. Like, that's right. I'd rather that's... hang out with these people who we have the same philosophy on life. And but... isn't it funny that we're saying all this expansiveness, right? But then there's that argument that, oh, everyone now is on their phones all day and they're not being social enough. No, that is true because, like, <laughs> like, you'll have examples of, let's say we were at a restaurant and yeah. everyone was, like, on their phones and it's like, come on, like, live in the moment. But there, there's that balance, right? Yeah. It's it's a huge balance of can you can you connect to people like that but also connect to people when I'm right in front of you? Like, can I connect yeah. to you guys? Or do you want me to surf on social media right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's that. The, it's really profound how we are able to just connect with anyone in that immediate way with social media. And I think that's the best part. You know, people who argue social media is inherently bad because there are the people who just use it as to escape from real people. And that's where the balance lies. Right. You know, that's where you need to strike that. And how and when do you disconnect? Like for me, my customers are neat. Like I have one customer right now who today, I think I got five emails, four texts and three phone calls. Like I have to be, I don't have to be, but I feel like if you're not with that customer, they're going to go elsewhere. Like, yeah. they, well, like yeah, they're absolutely. looking for a chef. Mm-hmm. They shoot me an email and then they call me. I don't answer my phone. I don't get back to them. They're going to go somewhere else. Like I need to be super responsive because yeah. they're not dedicated necessarily to like using exclusively me. Like they tried me as their first, maybe hopefully, but if I didn't get back to them in an hour or answer the phone, they're just going to go down the line to the next one. So it's always kind of like checking my emails, checking my phones, like who called me, like who shot an email. Right. But like this this woman, like we're doing a gig this week and it's like we moved. She's doing a party on Wednesday and now she wants it on Tuesday and we've changed the menu. And it's just like all day I have to keep going back and forth, checking texts and phone calls because that's what I need to do to keep a customer. Well, yeah, absolutely. Especially if, if, you, if you're running a business, that, that is your business, right? That helps pay the bills. I mean, and, just scrolling Facebook. Yeah, just scrolling yeah, Facebook, exactly. right. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know, and, and that, that is what we're talking about here mainly. And then there's the flip side, right? Like people who are consumers are just flipping through and things like that. It's like, yeah, you, and you want to strike a balance, but I, I can't fault you for that, right? Yeah. It's like you, you need to service that person, so. Yeah, and it's, it's facts that you have to be on at all times. And there's... People expect two-day shipping because of Amazon. You know, we're with a polymer clay company, and they're a little bit behind the two-day mark. And there are some people who will, you know, email kind of annoyed after the third day saying, where is it? It, And there was no guarantee that we would do two-day shipping, but yeah. there's just been that benchmark that's been made. And, of course, you have to keep up with things, and you have to maybe argue, hey, we're not Amazon. You know, we don't have that kind of manpower, but... You have to deal with facts and you have to adapt with the facts and you have to be okay with them and not resist them. Right. I did a talk once where I, I talked about social media being a wave. If you want to resist it, you can, but you're going to get caught in the deluge and, it's yeah. gonna, and you can be overwhelmed. But if you choose to write it and figure out how to write it as best you can in your business or your personal brand, you know, then you can really win. You can start yeah. winning. And actually going back to what Chef Chris was saying about how you find success in the 
most serendipitous of ways, you know, that guy tapping your shoulder, that's so cool. But it, it drives home to me the idea that giving back is winning right now. Whereas if you're a business owner, say maybe 10 to 20 years ago, being an alpha male was probably what you wanted to be. Right. And now I think that being an alpha male, okay, yeah, there's elements that you want to keep about that. Like you got to be straightforward and you got to be right. you know, yeah. assertive. But you take the jerk out of it now. People well don't said. want to deal with well any said. jerks anymore. No. Right? And so I think that social media is, help, is helping foster that idea, that transparency, giving back at scale, you know, being worried about how you can serve the other person first mm -hmm. rather than what you can extract out of the other person, what you can wring out of them. Yeah. And, you know, I used to live in the south of France and Monaco is a very wealthy area with a lot of well-connected people, old money, and they all behaved in this alpha way. And it got really exhausting. And so when I came back to Frederick, a lot, of, a lot of people just are not that way inclined and they reward, like I think the rest of the world generally does right now, being good just as a person in business and in life. And that's the authenticity that shines through all the noise, right? Mm -hmm. On all that stuff. So yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So a lot of different platforms have hit, you know, let's say Twitter has hit like what I can write. And it limits you. And limiting you makes, you know, I would say, like, it makes you get, you know, cunning responses and things mm -hmm. like that, right? Then you have Instagram that's, like, it's all very visual and things like that. Facebook, it's has been always been visual as with the element of, like, wittiness and things yeah. like that, right? What would you guys say is, like, maybe the next step, the next thing? Something that doesn't exist yet. Or Voice. Voice. Voice-related technologies. Mm -hmm. Alexa. Everything like wow, that. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I give it a lot of thought mostly because a lot of people don't realize it's a bit of a land grip right now if you get yourself on yeah. there. Um, and it's something I've learned from others, right? You know what I'm yeah. talking about. But, you know, with the advent of voice and people using it for everything, I can't imagine a morning without my Alexa right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, 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 hold on. So, so when so, you yeah. say voice, right, are you talking about, like, commands and things like that? Mm -hmm. uh, Alexa skills, things of that nature. Okay. So, um they have is it only just the Echo device or is no, it other things everything. in addition? It's everything. So what I've well. seen is like my business. Let's say you're looking for a personal chef. Mm -hmm. I've learned that where Siri grabs info Siri, from right. and where Alexa mm. grabs are two different points. Yeah. Mm. So I'm a personal chef. And now you go on Google and you type in personal chef Frederick Maryland and you right, see right, the back right. end you database see Ted, varies. Right? Yeah. But when you say Siri... You know, find me <laughs> a personal chef in Frederick, that, Maryland. Yeah. I rank high. I might be the first. When you're the only answer, and she says, I found one in Frederick, Maryland. Mm -hmm. It's perfect little bites. Do you want me to call it? You say, sure. I don't see the other nine options. Right, she's right. pulling from. She's pulling from Google reviews, right, which right. are pulled from Facebook reviews. Now, here's the thing. Alexa is pulling from Yelp reviews, and I hate Yelp because oh, I think they stink. I, I didn't know that. And I never pushed my customers to rank. So when you go on an Alexa device and say, find me a personal chef in Frederick, Maryland, they're going to pull data from what I found from the ones that have the highest Yelp ranking. Wow. And when I ask Siri for it, they're going to pull one that has the highest Google, Google rankings, uh, yeah. which is also driven from Facebook. So knowing that, I started pushing customers back to Yelp and saying, hey, if you've like been one of my customers ever, like <laughs> I would super appreciate you going on here because what happens when you just say to your Alexa, Alexa, find me a personal chef in Frederick, Maryland. And I say, I found chef so-and-so. Do you want me to call it? And you say, sure. And now they've gone right to him without seeing the nine other top and that, results. And that's, and the that's thing, scary. Right, that is scary. Like you were saying, because I, I didn't really realize this. I, I mean, I have an Echo device. I use Google all the time. I personally don't use Siri, but it pulls from Google. Yeah. So it's the same thing. But if I'm going to ask that device, give me a personal chef, 
it's I'm only gonna focus on the first response. Right. Yeah. That's it. So you're now this time it's you're it's out like, of business now if you're not the first result. Right, right. It's like if I Google it, That's it's scary. like I see the first ten and I'm like, okay, I could scroll. Yeah, if you do it on the web, you get the others in there. You right. might choose the yep. second one right. because exactly. you like it better. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or if I'm on Yelp, I could look at reviews and things yeah. like that. But now well, if I'm you listening, do you guys think like these companies will hold more power because of that? They will, but it also depends what type of company it is. So if you're in B2C, that's really important, but no one's going to go looking for their next, like, microprocessor right. on their <laughs> Google Home. You know what I mean? So I think it really goes back to um, the same conversation we were having earlier, like, where is your market looking for your services? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, for the B2C aspects as well, like, that's where brand probably will come into play a lot more, and, you know, a lot more strongly, because if, if Chef Chris is... Yeah, if Chef Chris's clientele, like potential clientele, hears about him from somebody else and says, oh, where is Chef Chris on their Alexa? Because that's the brand at play. But of course, for B2B, no, you know, Jacob's right. No one's going to, I don't think anyone's going to look for their microprocessors necessarily on Alexa right away. Yeah, no but, one's going to look for that. or And it's going to be pretty hard. I don't know. It's like, well, the big difference there is it's a, it's a considered purchase. Whereas um, mm-hmm. a lot of like smaller, um, like something's 10 bucks, yeah, yeah, you'll buy it wherever you want. Right. So you'll just right. call someone up, whoever first um, on the list there, you'll give them a call. But something, my example earlier was like a microprocessor, like that's a ton of money you're dealing with. That's not a quick call you make and then no. you order and leave. You do a lot more research and then. Right. And you got to see like, is it going to work with any of the stuff you are? Is it integrate? Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. And like, I, there's. That's one of those purchases more than $100. Yeah. That is more than 100 bucks. But and it's, it's not one of those things that you can even call someone, right? Like, you're going to call a customer service department. You're not going to call someone that works at a restaurant that can give you more insight. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I actually never thought of that. Like, yeah, yeah I have Alexa. I use Alexa a lot, you know, when I, I give commands to turn on the TV or mm. the light and stuff like that. But I do the Harry Potter. But knowing what the back end of those are is is fascinating. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And how those are biased and the answers they give you. Yeah. They try not to be, but they are. Well, yeah. he that they are. Yeah. I mean, they are yeah. to a degree, but um, yeah. they're biased to the first person showing up in the results. In the, the results. Yeah, not, maybe not so, deliberate so bias, do, but, you know, yeah. uh, but naturally you know, consequential are. bias. Yeah. Do you think that goes back into, like, what SEO? Like, SEO, right? Mm-hmm. It's well, like, totally does. Yeah. yeah. It goes, so it's like you want to be the first one on the Google results, you know, results when you search on there. Now, granted, if I'm looking on a screen here and I'm Googling something, it's like, like you were saying... I don't, I don't concentrate just on number one. Now, number one is, like, I'm going to say, yeah, that's probably where I may go, but I, I will probably scroll as well. But if you're going on Alexa or Siri or, or Google, you're like, and you hear it, it's like, no, you're only going to hear number one, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, you probably won't go past the first three. First so you'll three. have the page yeah. on the top, and then you'll have the first three results, and right. then you have the rest of the crap that no one ever looks at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you have to you're on the fifth page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you may as well just, what is it? There's a joke. I'm going to misquote it now. But uh, where do you hide a dead body? Mm. The second page of Google. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's really good. Yeah, I don't think I ever go past the second page of Google. <laughs> and that's... And if I'm on the second page, I'm like something, I didn't type it in right. I didn't type the search in right, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Too. Search expression is aired somewhere. It's not, yeah. it's not correct, yeah. Flawed somewhere. But the yeah. truth, like the thing is, is that most industries are oversaturated. I say oversaturated, they're just saturated. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not that many people where you're going to be like the only blank of this blank No, industry. yeah, that's well, true. You wouldn't go after 
Like you only go after long tail keywords. And yeah. So you wouldn't go after like a like a microprocessors. You'd go after like um, microprocessors that do this, this, and this near blank or whatever yes. it is, like location based, um, whatever that might be. But you get a more specific search. And then, um, I mean, those tools, Google, Google will show you how many search results show up for uh, mm -hmm. certain uh, keywords. Okay. So you can look at that, kind of say, how specific do I want to get, build your site around it, do the meta descriptions, et cetera, um, and then show up on that first page. Well, here's another thing about that, right? Because I remember seeing a couple things where, so I, I use, I have a Google phone, right? And yeah. you have like your Google feed, Pixel. right? Right, the Pixel, yeah. yeah so, so, <laughs> right, but that, that more or less curates to what your interests are, the things that you search, the things that you've done. So it knows a lot of that stuff. So if I search a lot of local restaurants, local chefs, I'm going to get you on articles and things like that if they pop up, right? Mm -hmm. And naturally, if I do a search, it does tailor that according to my, you know, my preferences. Is that something else you guys account for, you know, in terms of digital marketing, where it's like, if I if I was a new user on there and I search for a restaurant, it's going to give me different results compared to someone that I've been on Google for five years and they know a lot about me. They know what I like. They know what I eat. They know they know where I go right yeah. all the time. Yeah. Right. So is that something you guys account for? To a degree. I mean, you can do local uh, SEO, so you can show for people that are local more likely to right. show up for your or want your service. Um, but to a degree, you can't do much about it. I mean, there's a million. So and you're at the helm of their algorithm, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. you can't control what they're people mysterious search. Yeah, there was yeah. mysterious yeah. stuff, and that goes back to like what Instagram does, how Twitter is, and all yeah. that, and, and yeah. how you get put your feed at the top. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. For that? But there are other levers yeah. you can pull. So I'd say like search yeah. history. I mean, you could probably figure out some fancy way to get people to search something that would then more. So you guys are always pulling new levers, right? Yeah, Just yeah. There's always some right? other new lever to pull, some new test to run. <laughs> Things like that. Awesome. So, all right. So let's uh, let's end the this podcast real quick on last question. Right? What would you guys say is your favorite platform? The one that you really put your most energy in? Chris? Instagram. Instagram. Jacob. Whatever makes you the most money. <laughs> How about a personal level? personal one? Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay, I like that. Danica. Truthfully, it is Instagram right now. I want to make it YouTube and LinkedIn. Okay. So. Lots of abundance this year. <laughs> I have to say Instagram too, but I'm also very heavily on, on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I, wa I, I do want to shift towards YouTube as I well. I think you're right though that YouTube is going to increase in influence mm -hmm. as people learn how to use it. Yeah, definitely. And the editing capabilities are easier for people as well. So they've added mm -hmm. those capabilities. And the live yeah. live capabilities, right guys? And, right and, there. The, and the live streaming, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the recording of the live streaming. That's you right. Know, all yeah. that, you know, is so, automatic. And, as well as the ability to actually take video i mean i just got myself a, a smartphone gimbal for the first yeah. time we talked about yeah, that yeah that's right and you can, can do videos yeah, yeah you know like yeah. decent videos for the starter videographer you know it yeah. has the gimbal itself has facial tracking it has hyperlapse time lapse you know when you can't afford to shell out two thousand for a deal how much are deals uh, dslrs like yeah. a couple well oh, hold goodness. on like a professional one's like probably two thousand you can get an entry level for less than a thousand yeah. but you're right so, so what's <laughs> the performance difference between a regular smartphone and one of those DSLR. I mean, you right. can do what you can on there. Right? Yeah. Think, think about this, and you're right, and not to get too deep into this, yeah. but like 10 years ago, I would have had to record on a DSLR, edit right. the content, put it online. Mm -hmm. I can use a phone like a Pixel 3 now, and I'm live. 
There you go. There you go. Right? Yeah, it's that easy. And it's that easy, yeah. And the editing software in a phone is it's phenomenal. Phenomenal, yeah, right? You know, like I yeah. like we bought seven years ago, maybe like my wife and I, like a digital camcorder, right? It's like we have all these videos that we never watch because we had to like convert them out. You can't edit them at all. That's right. And yeah. now it's like I'm iPhone, so I have like the iPhone. Proprietary format you know? just yeah. kill it. Yeah. And, and like I could just yeah. put the phone up on a tripod and shoot some video and edit an iMovie <laughs> or go live or whatever. Yeah. Like so right. yeah. for me it's whatever I can do the fastest. Yeah. Like, like I have a DSLR camera and I love it and I 100 percent know I don't edit my photo. Like I take my I take it on vacation, I take photos and I, then I throw it in a bin and I never <laughs> look at them and I never take them off my camera. Whereas if I'm on my phone, I'm editing them super quick and I can send them off to be printed or right, right. right there. And, and, like, and, whatever's fast. No, you're yeah. right. And I, I do take them off my phone as quickly as possible. But then and I do use Adobe Cloud stuff, but it's like I, you know, by the time you get there, it's like I could have done it in the moment. Yeah. I could have yeah. done it right there. I used there to use there. Photoshop and Lightroom and I have all those. Yeah. I have a, and I have them too. I have yeah. an expensive camera with all these lenses. And so do I. The reality is I'm using my iPhone and editing in phone. Reality I'm using my Pixel, right Jacob? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I got a Pixel once so I'm not as cool as you are, but one day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> one day. You'll, you'll upgrade, right? Yeah. So. Well, all right, guys. I mean, I appreciate you guys coming out, talking about digital marketing. It's so awesome to hear about, like, your business, how you use SEO, all these platforms, things like that, you know, to get out there because you don't even have a restaurant, right? Yeah, you, no. Like, yeah, you're no, out there. Nobody's ever going to, like, stumble on my brick and mortar. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> they yeah. hard That's on right. Yeah. And Jacob, like, your insights, you know, digital marketing, uh, that, that is what you do day in and day out, right? And Danica, that is what you do day in and day out, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, to hear you guys and... I really didn't know what was the next thing, and you, I, I, I actually believe you guys. Like, yeah, voice, you know, Alexa and Siri and all that. Yeah, nice critical mass of expertise here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, for sure. So yeah, thanks guys, appreciate it. You know, thank you. Cheers, right? Cheers. <laughs> you're here. <laughs>